0: You're listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host Andy Plymer.
1: For someone to explain,
0: bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby, sharing ideas to make the game better.
2: Okay, welcome to episode number 34 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Dr. Wade Gilbert. Dr. Gilbert holds degrees in physical education, human kinetics, and education, and has taught and studied coaching at the University of Ottawa in Canada, UCLA, and currently at Fresno State. He has more than 20 years of experience in conducting applied researches with coaches around the world, spanning all competitive levels, from youth to the FIFA World Cup and the Olympic Games. He's widely published, including his recent book, Coaching Better Every Season, which can be found via Human Kinetics, and is frequently invited to speak at national and international events. Dr Gilbert is editor-in-chief of the International Sport Coaching Journal and is a regular contributor to coaching seminars for Olympic and national team coaches in the United States and Canada. Uh, he's obviously extremely experienced when it comes to coaching, uh, and it's great to have you on the show. So welcome, Dr. Gilbert. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here and
1: talk about coaching, mm-hmm. one of my favorite topics. Yeah,
2: no doubt. Look, looking at the resume, there, that that, that definitely jumps out. Um, what got you into um, coaching in particular? What, uh, what what led you down that path to be uh, an academic that focuses on coaching?
1: Uh, well, I was always involved in sport my whole life, yep. uh, multi-sport athlete and then uh, coaching and um, thought uh, originally I would go through to be a physical education teacher yep. and uh, because it, it was obvious I wasn't going to make a living as an athlete <laughs> uh, so I figured the next best thing is to be able to hang out <laughs> in the gym and, yeah. and keep playing and be around athletes and sport and um, and then I met a, a professor named Pierre Trudel at the University of Ottawa when I was an undergraduate student, okay. and he it was just good timing. He was looking for a graduate student to join his team, and uh, he was just kind of starting his line of research on coaching, and uh, it, it worked out great. And I, I never had thought about a career like that Um But when I had a chance to to do the research with him, and it was very applied research where I got to spend lots of time with coaches and athletes out in the field, mainly ice hockey and soccer at that point. Mm. And, uh, one thing led to another. So I, I was in my master's degree and he said, we're, you know, you're, you're doing well and we're having lots of fun. Why don't we keep going? And so I stayed and did a PhD and that's, great. that's really when I started to think, oh, maybe there's a career in, in doing research and, and, and working with coaches like this. So I just followed the path. Oh, that's great. And you've, you know, you've, you've actually like looking at what you've
2: done, you've had quite a lot of involvement recently with rugby. Um, you, um, like recently spoke at uh world rugby training and education conference in uh, Richmond, British Columbia. Um, what, what was that experience like? And, and what were the, the key points of your, your, presentation from there?
1: Yeah. Rugby is interesting to me because I never grew up playing rugby. I was always playing ice hockey and soccer and then track and field and, and out more uh, kind of outdoor adventure things. And, mm-hmm. uh, I honestly, I do not remember hearing about rugby very much (laughs) as a kid growing up in northern Canada um, many years ago. And uh, but it's really interesting to me now how it's, you know, one of the fastest growing sports in the United States and and all around the world. And Mm. um, it seems that everywhere I turn, somebody's talking about rugby. And, you know, I have. The, the two captains of our rugby team in, in my coaching class right now, so they're always talking about rugby. And uh, one of the people I work with at the U.S. Olympic Committee Coach Education Group is a lifelong rugby coach and rugby player. And, mm-hmm. and so it's. And then I I watched some of the rugby sevens uh, on uh, this summer at the Olympics with my my kids. They're young kids, nine and twelve, and mm. and and they just loved it. You know, really, I can see why people are really drawn to the game more and more. I mean, it's always been a great game, but yeah. um, I think it's just a, a good time for the game right now. So um, I had an opportunity. I'm getting more opportunities to speak at events, either rugby events or events where there's rugby coaches and coach educators, and yeah. and uh, I I love being around those groups. Um, The people I've met so far have been very uh, humble and genuine and want to learn uh, how to get better. And one thing that seems to have come out is it's like a lot of sports, I guess. um, There's a lot of tradition and culture and standard ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. But I guess when you see people like Eddie Jones kind of uh, uh, using maybe non-traditional approaches in some ways to – build team climate and, and how he works with players and different cultures. And, uh, there seems to be, and again, this might just be my perspective coming into it, but it seems to be, um, a good moment in time with rugby coaching to be open to new ideas and more the science of coaching.
2: Yeah. So, and that was basically what your, what your presentation was about at the
1: World Rugby Conference. Yeah, they wanted me to share a little bit of what we've learned about the science of coaching, not uh, techniques and tactics or rugby specific, mm-hmm. but more in terms of, you know, simple, basic question. What's a good coach? So yeah. when someone says Eddie Jones is a great coach, well, why? Why would you say that? What, what gives, you know, what are the characteristics of a good coach? And those, to me, are, are principles of coaching that cut across any sport and yeah. any concept. And then the other thing I shared with them was um, how to access the science of coaching. So, as a coach or a coach educator, what uh, you know, what should we, how can we get our hands on some of this research and some of the best principles that are out there? And I shared with them there's there's over 30,000 academic journals right now, and, and over a million research papers are published every year uh in all across all disciplines so it's really intimidating and um you know to to try and jump into that world and and sift through all that information to find things that are relevant for yourself as a coach so i shared with them some of the areas i would i would encourage people to look look at when they uh, want to get specific into to coaching
2: yeah okay and we'll probably touch on that in later questions as well if you're all with uh the international yeah. sport coaching journal yeah um, so before that, you, you, were, you were fortunate enough to spend some time in New Zealand uh, in 2015, and you, you got to uh, rub shoulders with the, the coaching staff of the All Blacks. Um, you know, what, what were some of the key areas you, you feel kind of set them apart from, uh, or, or made them elite coaches?
1: Yeah, that was really interesting to me. I'm actually going back uh, this coming summer. They asked me to come and do a, a series of of uh, workshops on quality coaching around the country with their high performance coaches so it's not rugby specific but i i would imagine there'll be rugby coaches in the room and what i guess the the one thing that really struck me is i i see around the world people talk about the all blacks and and how they um built that that all blacks team culture and and for me it it really became obvious spending time there and talking to the coaches and listening to the coaches that it's not it's not a strategy that you can apply like pull out of their context and then go and put it into your context because it's the the way they coach and the way they think the mindset i guess and mm-hmm. is very much a part of the new zealand culture yeah. it's it's who they are as people in New Zealand. It's, it's not something, it's not a team building activity, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's really who they are. And, you know, you might say the same thing about ice hockey in Canada or, you know, cricket in India or soccer in Brazil. It's, you know, the, the types of things that the coaches in those countries do in those sports are, are, are so intertwined with the cultural fabric of, of that country and that society that I think it's you wouldn't really be able to replicate the, the way they do things. Um, sure, you can learn from them, and you can try and adapt them. But, you know, for example, the book Legacy uh, just came out not too long before I, I went down to New Zealand, and I asked <clears throat> uh, Coach Hansen about the book, and, and he, he told me a funny story. He said, you know what, we had no idea that guy was going to write a book. <laughs> he never told us he was going to write a book about this. Yeah, he yeah. just wanted to observe and, and we thought, you know, maybe he'd write an article or something. And now it's this, you know, world best-selling book. Mm. And he said at first we were, you know, angry about that, but then we moved on because part of our core values um, is uh, constant evolution. Mm. So, some of that is old news and we don't even do it anymore and other parts are still part of who we are. And, and, and so that, that really struck me. Um, and then also just the, the humility, you know, no, at least in that context, you know, again, I, I, I don't work with them in rugby mm. context, but, uh, very humble, very genuine, you know, it kind of remind me of, um, the, a little bit the time I spent with coach John Wooden, um, at UCLA. And, oh, yeah, great. you know, this is, again, anywhere I go around the world, people have a wooden book on their shelf and yeah. they talk wooden. And, you know, when I met him, so some people consider him the greatest coach ever. And and, and when I met him, honestly, he had no reason to talk to me, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm uh, just another guy, one of 10,000 who, you know, he meets every year and, he treated me like he wanted to know about me and learn about me and he was very humble and genuine and and I, I got the same sense with uh the New Zealand culture, um and how that, you know, impacts the type of players they develop and, and the, the way they coach.
2: Yeah, I think I think there's a great message there in that last piece piece too. I I get it from running this podcast. Like I've had people on this podcast that I thought I'd never get to speak to. And all it took was, you know, bumping into them at a conference or an email or, and nine times out of 10 people say yes. So if you, if you, if you want to develop as a coach and you want to get better and you think there's a potential kind of by, by tapping someone like that on the shoulder, go for it, get out there and and put yourself out there.
1: Yeah, that's what you, you nailed a good point there. The, the best coaches are constantly wanting to learn and to get better and they, they want to share because they understand when they connect with other people, it's another opportunity to learn and, and to get better. Excellent. All
2: right, well, just changing tact a little bit. Um, you've written a number of articles um, in on the website Human Kinetics Coach Education Center and I'll put this up on uh, in the show notes because there's, there's some great stuff in here and um, I, I'd recommend... All coaches have a read of uh, some of these articles. Um, the first one I, I want to touch on is uh, one you wrote about coaching in big games. Um, I think I think all coaches uh, have that experience, like at the end of the year or a very key game or a playoff or something like that. Um, in this, you discuss um, successful coaches uh, put their athletes in a winning position using proven strategies. What what are, what are some of these proven strategies, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, this one was interesting to me because. I see it a lot when I work with younger coaches. They feel that they need to, uh, when they get into what you might consider a big match, let's Mm -hmm. say a a big rivalry match or a test match, a championship match, that you somehow need to do something different. Mm. And the athletes need uh, more of something or or a different message. And the more time I spend around world championship coaches and people who are really successful – it's just the opposite. You know, it's really focusing on daily routines. Mm. Just d- do do simple things really well. That's what it really comes down to. Yeah. Just do simple things really well. And people get into trouble when they think all of a sudden, okay, this is a big game, so now we're going to play big or we're going to do something different or they need a big message. No, they don't. It's just do, do your job. Mm. <laughs> do it again. Okay? Yeah. And what i also see is that um as the better coaches can read their players and they they give them what they need in those moments so they'll know if their athletes are overly anxious or too relaxed mm. not giving it enough uh focus maybe and so they'll they'll match the message to the moment mm. and that that's in every match in every game not not just in the big ones and uh two examples come to mind that kind of stimulated me to write this one is uh with uh, the ice hockey coach in canada mike Babcock, who's yeah. won championships yeah, at every right yeah uh well toronto maple leafs at the moment oh yeah um but you know he was talking about at one of the olympic games uh when they ended up winning a gold medal he mm. In advance, thought, well, I need to prepare some big inspirational message before the game. And and he realized as he spent time with the players that they didn't need that. They yeah. were ready. And so he scrapped it. Um, and then also uh, a coach in volleyball, uh, Karj Karai, who is a U.S. women's volleyball coach. He's considered the best volleyball player of all time himself. Uh-huh and he uh they had never won a world championship and they did uh finally and this was a couple of years ago and then like a week after they won I happened to be in the same room with him and and it came up in conversation you know how did you break through and and lead the team to that cha- first championship and and uh you know what was the message you gave them before that moment and he said the same as every game who said we you know in, in our mind we had already played 100 world championship finals mm. and somebody said what do you mean he said every game we play we treat like a world championship it's not like somehow you get up and and rise to some special occasion you, every game should be a world championship in your mind for you the way you approach it the way you prepare the way you compete so, so why do i need some big special message and expect them to do something special in a big game yeah it's it's so simple too just looking at it like that and don't don't make the
2: moment bigger than it really is
1: yes and the moment will be big enough on its own right yeah so if anything you might need to do something to help them um you know cope with that additional pressure and 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 maybe do something to help them bring them back to Their normal way of operating. So again, that's why it's really important to have routines and and just follow your routine. But again, also read your players and and intervene when you feel they they need it. That's great. That's some great advice for coaches there for sure.
2: Yeah, another article you wrote uh, talks about becoming a more resilient coach. I think uh, all coaches have experienced those times where you where, where it's tough going for several weeks or, you know, uh, several years even. Um, and in, in this article, you discuss uh, modeling resilience as a coach so that your athletes can benefit from that. Um, what, 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 what do you mean by that? And what, what were some of the ideas that you put forward for, for that, that piece?
1: Yeah, for resilience, I think uh, one thing that you, what I've seen again too is that as a coach, you, you need to be uh, vulnerable too. Mm-hmm. So you need to be, uh, you need to show your athletes that you're constantly wanting to learn, you're constantly uh, willing to take risks, and 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 that builds resilience. When people see that, you know, okay, my coach is is willing to take a risk and try something new, um, and and also the way you respond to athletes when they show vulnerability. So when they, do you give them permission to take risks? Do you give them permission to try new things, try a new move, uh, provide suggestions to the staff about, um, you know, lineups or strategy or, and and, and that in a sense, as, as an athlete, think about it this way. If, if I know I kind of have permission within, you know, within boundaries, let's say, mm-hmm. to, maybe make a decision on the field to try something different. Um, and I know I'm not going to get yelled at or disciplined because I I did it a different way. Um, that, that gives you a sense of confidence and, you know, that it builds trust uh, between coach and athlete as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. I think, you know, you 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 see
2: sport in general moving towards that that player empowerment model, that that athlete centered model, and that would that would fit nicely uh, in in that model.
1: Yeah, and you have to, you know, when you think about resilience, it's just the ability to to come back, mm. the ability to um, come back after failure, really, that in a simple way. And you're going to fail a lot. Yeah. when you try and do hard things you're going to fail a lot and and if when you fail there's you know there's two potential responses by the coach one is you get angry at them and and blame them and think oh how did you know why can't they get it or uh, we worked on that and they still Mm -hmm. can't figure it out or i told you to do it this way and you didn't which erodes resilience and trust or you uh, recognize their willingness to take chances, which is really important to perform. Um, so it's a fine line and there's a balance there. I always like the idea of freedom within structure. Yeah. So, you know, you think of like a picture frame. Um, you 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 build the frame as a coach, so you kind of set the boundaries. So you say, you know, this, this is our system of play or this is the way we're going to approach things here but then you let them paint the picture. So you built the picture frame, but you let them paint the picture. So the picture is still within this framework, within these boundaries, but, you know, honestly, let them paint it. Um, So you shape it and you guide it and you set the the boundaries, but then let them have the freedom within that, those boundaries to really create that image.
2: Yeah, that's a great analogy. And I suppose it's up to the coach, how big you make that picture frame. If you make a Tiny picture frame with barely any canvas. It's not really uh, going to work the way it was intended to.
1: Yeah, um, but if you want to continue with that analogy, I like that too. Is um, you know maybe again you you set you build the frame and you put the canvas out there, and maybe there's there's parts of it that are kind of non-negotiable. So you know this this part of the canvas, the way I painted it, that's the way we're going to keep it. But there's other parts where you can fill in. Yeah,
2: I like that. That's great. All right. Um, the last article I wanted to talk about that you, that you wrote on, uh, and on that website, and again, I'll put it in the show notes, is titled Coaching for Sustainable Excellence. And I, in that one, you mentioned coaches like John Wooden and others. You, you, you cross a range of sports and you talk about uh, coaches who have had success uh, over multiple years uh, with diverse playing groups. Um, what, what was some of the key similarity the coaches themselves possessed and also the program that they possessed?
1: Yeah, coaching for sustainable excellence. I think one of the um, examples that came to mind there, there's a coach here in the United States, a volleyball coach at the college level, a guy named Russ Rose, and... He's won seven championships, and I think of people like Coach Wooden, who've right. you know won ten, and and now somebody like Gino Oriama, who's a, a basketball coach here in the U.S. Uh, his teams have won eleven championships, wow. I, and I, those are just some examples. But when I when I look at these coaches, number one, they have a very strong vision of who they are and what they what the end goal is, what how they want to do things, and, and and how they want to get there. So they they're very uh, strong in their their belief in themselves, but they also <laughs> surround themselves with other people who can help help them get there. Um, it's funny now that we're we're talking about it more, and I'm just I'm thinking of all these examples. You know, they're also these are you don't want to give the image that these people who have had the success. Uh, have more control over it than they really do (laughs) yeah there's a lot of factors that go into this and a lot you know injury and luck and timing and um but they they're they're strong in their convictions they have strong self-belief they are resilient because they do fail a lot um leading up to that and they do um they do continue to grow. They continue to evolve. So they they don't hang on to one way or one approach mm-hmm. uh, longer than than they need. And I think the other thing that I really see there is they they are very um, kind of task oriented. So they they set a lot of goals and they focus on on working towards those goals. I think you know it seems we're always looking for some. Kind of like a silver answer, bullet. Yeah, like wow, they they must be doing something different. They're not. They just they they do it. That's the key, right? Mm-hmm. They and uh, Bill Belichick here in the United States, foot pro football coach, um, they you know one of the best coaches we've seen here in decades. He has a a simple statement that guides his work and his team, and it's three words: do your job. Yeah. And it just seems overly simple, but that's the beauty of it, you know, outline what needs to be done, understand everybody's role, and do your work, do your job. If everybody's doing their job across an – not just a team, right, but across an organization, so that's administration and coaches and athletes and support staff and trainers, and if everybody's doing their job and – but the, if there's a clear understanding of what that job is mm. and everyone's doing their job – Success will come. It yeah. will come.
2: That's right, great. now it's a, again overly simple and some great messages there for coaches. All right. But no, the other thing sorry, too, yep. to
1: just want to add one more thing there for with sure. coaching for sustainable excellence. Um, coaches are by nature very competitive people and very driven, yeah. and it's really easy to lose sight of um taking care of yourself, right? Yeah. So that that's something that I've seen um, really hurt coaches. Where they invest so much in their their programs and their athletes and their teams, and and they forget to take care of themselves. So you do have to be a little bit selfish uh, as a coach to make sure that that you're meeting your needs and you're healthy and you're active. Because if you can't, if if you're sick, you can't help anybody, right? Uh, so we usually right. push and push and push and push, and and especially in our culture here, we it's kind of a badge of honor to you know boast about how much how many hours we put in you know urban meyer football coach here talks about you know 100 working 100 hours a week Mm. and you know i do the math 100 hours a week i mean when do you spend any time with friends or family when do you eat when do you sleep i mean it's just it's it's you have to be careful there's a you you really have to set aside time in your schedule to make sure you're healthy. And some you know, that's why I see with the better coaches, they'll whether that's riding the bike in the in the in the training room with the athletes for a little bit in the morning or going for a lot of coaches I know like to go for walks. Um, you know, so walk walking with their with a partner or spouse or with their dog, you know, that those are important moments each day where you can kind of recharge your batteries. Yeah, yeah. You can't be on
2: all the time and you know, I've heard other people talk about um uh there's one one podcast I listen to, um, and he talks about he does everything at hundred and ten percent. If he's at work, he's doing it at hundred and ten percent. But if he's with his family, he's doing it at hundred and ten percent. And he's he's never never trying to do you know, walk both sides of the
1: street. Yeah, there's I definitely you wanna be fully present. Mm. So uh, be fully present wherever in whatever task you're you're involved in. Uh, it's funny with the 110% example, Coach Wooden used to hate that yeah. <laughs> um, because he said he, there is no such thing as 110%. Nope. He said, you you give your full effort or you yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, you can't give more than your full effort. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, just it's a silly little thing, but yeah. it, it bugged him. He didn't like
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gets a bit cliched, I suppose. All right. Okay. Along with your academic and speaking duties, you're also uh, editor-in-chief of the International Sport Coaching Journal. I suppose this this links to what we were talking about earlier. What what does that involve and how do you think rugby coaches should be incorporating academic journals and, and recent scientific discoveries or studies as part of their professional development?
1: Yeah, so uh, I've been doing that, serving that role for nearly four years now. Uh, I, the first, uh, since that journal was created uh, four years ago, they asked me if I would be involved in that and I, I saw uh, an opportunity there to uh, do something uh, productive with, with coaching science because what we've seen now, as I mentioned earlier, there's almost 30,000 scientific journals um, in existence right now and it continues to grow as we get more and more specialized. But you have to remember that the the research the way it's written uh in those scientific journals it's not written for the coach or the practitioner it's written for other scientists so we're talking to each other and that's been um, a big critique uh, and something that i've seen in in a field like coaching where you know what it's important to have research but really what's the value of the research if we can't um, put it in a meaningful way for the coach i mean if talking to each other you know no, no coach will ever see it it really you know what's the impact of that so we thought with this journal you know the goal the vision is to make it kind of a meeting place so work in that gap between science and practice so that we could have coaches sharing their their science, right, so coaches are scientists, the best coaches they're constantly experimenting and trying things uh collecting data, but they're not they're not writing it up as a scientific paper um, and so a lot of it never gets shared uh, outside of their their own circle, so we try and encourage coaches to share their uh, their personal experiments with their teams and their insights and their wisdom, and we do have coaches write uh, in the journal and right alongside uh, scientific papers by researchers. So we, we try and get people to kind of a common meeting place to share what they're learning about quality coaching and oh, coach right. education. And so far it's been a uh, very rewarding experience. We've had uh, people right from all over the world, all different sports, including rugby. And so we're excited to see where that goes. Uh, we We keep trying to improve it. We're going into our fourth year but uh, I'm constantly sending articles from that journal to coaches that I work with. Um, and, and for sure, there's, there's a spectrum there. There's some papers that are much more um, uh, useful for a coach, and then you have others that are, are more scientific in the sense they're, they're, not, they're, they're more useful from a research perspective than an actual coaching perspective. But we have a, a full range in there. And I think there's, there's really probably two or three journals in terms of at the moment that are uh, really good places for coaches to go if they want to learn about the the science of coaching. From a general perspective, uh, one would be that journal that I'm editing at the moment. Another one is um, the International Journal of Sports Science and Coaching, which is uh, has been around a longer, probably about 10 years now maybe, and uh, that's a great place there's a lot of uh, good papers in that journal too and and so those are two places in particular that I think uh, provide coaches with a nice access point entry point into into the science of coaching and then of course um, you'll have sports specific uh, conferences and books and and things like that uh, for rugby and other sports but
2: That's great. Well, I'll put all those uh, those two links as well, the link to uh, International Sport Coaching Journal and the link to the second one you mentioned there in the show notes, and I'll definitely be exploring those, so I'll put it up there for coaches to check out. All right, last question. Um, You recently published a book titled Coaching Better Every Season, a year-round system for athlete development and program success. Personally, I can tell you right now, I've put that on my Christmas list. Um, I definitely want to get my hands on that. Can you tell us a bit about the book, the writing process, and, and where people can, can purchase it?
1: Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, it'll actually be coming out in, I think, December 10th or 12th oh, is perfect. the most recent <laughs> publication date. Yeah. Um, we were hoping to get it out sooner. It's actually been uh, dedicated Two and a half to three years of writing wow. and research on that. Uh, I joked at a conference I was at in Vancouver recently—not um, the rugby one, but the sport leadership one. I joked that I, I—it's my second PhD <laughs> because it, it felt like it. It was um, I, I, I uncovered I, I dug as deep as I could go in terms of, again trying to work in that. Uh, the idea so here's the idea it's really been a book in progress for m- my whole life <laughs> when I reflect on it but i I always found that coaches had to make a choice, so you know we have if we want to look at what we know about quality coaching, we can go to a textbook mm-hmm. or we can go to a journal or an academic journal or we can go to um popular media, so blogs, um, websites, videos, autobiographies, biographies, but I hadn't really found a resource that combined all those sources of information in one place. Yeah. And I thought, you know, there's value in all of those, but if you look at any one of those kind of sources on its own, you're really missing a lot of the richness of what we know about good coaching and so that was my goal that was a vision So can i and i've been very fortunate in that my career has kind of evolved that way where i spend some of the time of my time doing research and working with academics and scientists and i spend, you know on a daily basis i'll go from teaching a class to uh, a coaching class to actually coaching to working with athletic directors to doing research so i do all this on a daily basis and i i have to pull from all these different sources and I thought this would be, I haven't seen anything like it. So that was the goal. And we'll see if we hit that that goal when it gets out into people's hands. But uh, the feedback's been good so far from people and coaches who've had a chance to look at it. And uh, we decided to organize it around moments. So uh, kind of a seasonal approach. So any coach, regardless of their sport or, or whether they're coaching males or females or what level or what country, they all ha- coaches around the world share these four things in common. If you're coaching, you're going to have a preseason, an in season, an end of season, and an off season. Mm. And of course, the the length of those will vary. And but that's that's core to coaching. And so we thought, could we organize the information around those four moments and and help coaches better navigate those moments so you know what's the best of what we know in terms of what coaches do in the preseason? so developing that team culture uh, team trust uh, setting the vision things like that and then when you're in season for example, the main things you're going to be doing is, is coaching, you're do training sessions and competitions. So what do we know about how great coaches navigate those moments? And so that was the idea.
2: Great. Oh, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on it. And I'll, I'll put that uh, in the show notes and also uh, up on our website as well. I've got a section for, for resources for coaches. So, yeah, I look forward to it. Okay. Well, we always end the, the show with the same final four questions. Adapted it a bit Um because you're not from a rugby background but um when when you're when you were a kid growing up uh who was, who was your favorite athlete uh to watch play their trade
1: yeah so I, I would think it would be normal for kids to gravitate towards um athletes who who play the sport they did when they mm-hmm. were young and yeah. growing up in canada i played hockey all year round pretty much and I remember at a young age, probably 10 or 12, we uh, I played on a travel team and, and we went, first time I think it was on a plane, we, we traveled to Winnipeg in in Canada uh, from Ottawa. So it was a fairly long uh, trip, in uh, flight, and they had a professional sports team there at the time, a hockey team, and the star Jets, player, right? yeah. <laughs> star player was a guy named Dale Howarchuk. And I believe he still is the youngest player to ever score 50 goals in a season. uh, Just a few months uh, younger than Wayne Gretzky was. So I remember that was, uh, and we went to a game. So as a young, young kid playing hockey, that really kind of caught my attention. So I followed him for a while.
2: Yeah. right. Cool. Okay. And what about now? Who's your, who's your favorite hockey player going around? Uh,
1: I, I mentioned Sidney Crosby, the yeah. player from Canada again, uh, and he's one of only I think four or five players now who've won an Olympic gold medal, a World Championship, and a Stanley Cup. Wow. Uh, so he he wins everywhere he goes, yeah. and um, he's just. But it seems like he has, um, you know, he he commands a locker room he commands respect so he, he's more than just a skilled player he he knows how to he's a good leader yeah
2: it's 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 cool too it's the cool thing about hockey in Canada is like he's from a tiny little town in Nova Scotia right like yeah you know, just yeah. yeah he's become become a superstar it's it's, it's pretty cool all right and uh, favorite coaches you you mentioned a couple uh in in your chat um who, who are some of your favorite coaches who have coached at that that elite level
1: Oh, the the people that I've connected with, uh, I would say John Wooden for sure, is uh, special. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's unfortunate we don't really have any film of him in, in practices, uh, kind of plying his trade. His favorite part of, his, of coaching was practices, running practices and teaching because he always considered himself a teacher. So uh, it's hard to appreciate how unique he was as a person, unless you spent time with him. He just, honestly, I, I can't say I've met anybody like him. Um, just very unique person. And then, um, I guess currently I might think of someone like Steve Kerr, who's coaching, uh, the Golden State Warriors, the basketball team at the moment and Steph Curry. And and just someone who's again, um, very humble, uh, very bright, uh, wants to learn, wants to keep getting better. Um, so those are people that have really kind of made an impression on me, but then also, uh, Lots of local coaches, people that I work with that no one would ever, you know, know about just, and I'm sure we all have these people we work with in our communities. It could be, you know, a, a young rugby coach or someone coaching kids that will never get the notoriety, but you, they're just good people and they're making a difference in in sport um, and really kind of serving as good mentors and teachers.
2: Yeah, That's great. Yeah. And you mentioned one look, for our last questions an up and coming coach. You mentioned one from your local area.
1: Well, this is a a woman, her name's Bree Nasty, and she's a softball coach in college here in the United States. But she was one of my graduate students. And again, just someone who, uh, she's actually a Hall of Fame athlete herself. So very, very driven, very bright. Um, But more importantly, she just wants to get better she's constantly asking questions constantly uh, you know every once in a while she'll phone me up or text me and we're on the opposite sides of the country um, because she she wants to learn she wants to get better and her teams have had a lot of success very early on so it's it's fun to be able to follow and and, and work with coaches like that who uh, are driven passionate um, excited about what they do, really invest in what they do, but also realize there's so much more to 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 learn. They they don't have big egos, and it's funny. One of Coach Wooden's, I think, a good place to kind of wrap it up is uh, one of Coach Wooden's favorite sayings was, "What you learn after you know it all matters most." <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect, and
2: uh, yeah, definitely a good. Good way to sign off. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been great. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot, and um, I've got uh, a page full of resources and, and notes to, to refer back to, and uh, I'm sure coaches listening will have gotten a, a huge amount out of this. And so just want to thank you again, Dr. Gilbert, for coming on the show, and, uh, yeah, pleased
1: you could join us for, for a chat. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, and again, I guess I'll finish with one other quote. You know, when sure. one person teaches, two people learn. And every time you get an opportunity to 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 share to teach to someone, um, that's a great opportunity for you to learn as well. So I always learn from these, and I really appreciate the opportunity. You're doing a great service to the the coaching community. Oh, well, thanks very much.
2: I really appreciate that. And yeah, thanks again for for coming on the show. You're All
0: right. welcome. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at RugbyCoachSCNR or via the website at TheRugbyCoachesCorner.com Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.